Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. From the broadcast to the podcast, it is your man DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our blog spot, hand on my Awego. We invading airwaves. Yes, yes, y'all. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we are back with another episode of Cool Radio. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And we got a lot on today's uh, today's episode. So let's break down a few of the topics that we have coming up on today's edition. So we're going to be talking about Quavo versus Sweetie in the elevator uh, and the video that surfaced around that. We're going to talk about the, the the drama that's happening with the cast of the Joe Budden podcast. And we got to talk about our man DMX, who is in critical condition after having uh, an overdose of some sort. Um, and also the main topic of today is, of course, we got to talk about Little Nas X and his new video for Montero, amongst other things. We're definitely going to get into all of that. Uh, but first off, first thing I want to talk about is some basketball, because y'all know I love basketball. And you're probably thinking, I'm going to be talking about the Toronto Raptors. No, I'm not going to be talking about them. Not today, at least. Um, still kind of hurting off of the fact that they're not doing so well, even though they did slap up Golden State Warriors. Um, I think the final score was... Actually, I can't remember what the final score was, to be honest, but it was by a lot. At one point in time, they were beating them by 50 points. So I was like, okay, we at least got that in the bag, and they're wearing their new uniforms to to kind of show for it. By the way, those purple uniforms that they got, they should wear them for the rest of the season. Just saying. But nonetheless, we're not here to talk about my Toronto Raptors, but we will be talking about ball, and it is in form of the new Space Jam trailer that just dropped. So with that being said, ladies and gents, it is time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. The new trailer for Space Jam dropped today, and this recording is on April 3rd, 2021. So it is a Saturday. So the new trailer for uh, Space Jam dropped, and I got to say, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. It looked like a party, okay? So, first and foremost, I thought it was slick. I don't know if they did this by design, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I thought it was slick that they dropped it Saturday morning. And Space Jam dealing with cartoons or what have you, the Looney Tunes specifically, it kind of goes back to the era of Saturday morning cartoons. So, I thought it was slick that they kind of paid homage to that by dropping this trailer of all trailers, because not only does it involve the Looney Tunes, but it involves a gang of characters uh, that are within Warner Brothers intellectual properties. So we're going to get into more about that in a second. But I thought it was clever if they did, in fact, mean to do that. But nonetheless, the trailer dropped. And yeah, I thought it looked clean. So visually, off the bat, visually, this thing looks cleaner, much more cleaner than the Space Jam from 1996. And listen, 
if you're a diehard fan of that movie and you don't want to see the movie being remade and what have you, or you're just a Braun, or sorry, you're just a MJ over Braun guy, you have to admit, or girl, you have to admit that this trailer aesthetically looks way better than the entire film from 1996. And that's just a testament to the technology that we have developed over the last, what, 25 years now? So you would expect the visuals to be a lot better. If they weren't, then that would be very disappointing. Um, but yeah, the visuals look great. I love the, co- the color palette. There's a lot of colors happening, and there's a lot of things happening in general. So the basis, I mean, I haven't read the synopsis of the... Uh, of the movie yet, but just based on the trailer, it looks as though uh, him and his son get trapped in um, what, what do they call it? The, the something verse, the not the cyber verse. Uh, it's gonna kill me. I was just watching the trailer like five minutes ago as well. Uh, but they get trapped in some alternate dimension. Let's just call it that. They get trapped in an alternate animated dimension where not only do the Looney Tunes exist, but basically all the intellectual properties of Warner Brothers Studios exist. And within the trailer, you see a whole bunch of iconic characters from past movies and TV shows. And it looks like the objective of this movie is that LeBron and his son get split up somehow. And in order for him to rescue his son, he has to win a uh, a basketball tournament, similar to the first one, uh, against the leader of this uh, alternate dimension. And uh, I can't remember the name of the character, but the character is played by Don Cheadle. Um, so basically, Don Cheadle assume, assembles his squad. Uh, meanwhile... LeBron goes to the Looney Tunes and they form a squad of their own. So, again, very similar in premise to uh, the original movie from 1996. Now, his squad, um, by his, I mean Don Cheadle's squad, looks like it's assembled by NBA players. Again, similar to the previous film. So, from what I noticed in the trailer, we have Anthony Davis as some sort of monster. uh, Damian Lillard as a monster himself as well. Uh, what's his name? Uh, ooh, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is a monster. Um, and then there's a few others that I couldn't really make out. Uh, but nonetheless, I like how they're going with the monster, uh, the monster theme. But they're calling them the Goon Squad. So instead of monsters, the Goon Squad. So you have that. And then as far as LeBron's team, it's obviously Team Looney Tunes, of course. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of really interesting callbacks to both like the the previous film and then also just to pop culture references and NBA references. Like there was one part in the trailer where Lola or Lola Bunny or is it Baz Bunny? Is it, is it Baz Bunny? No, Lola Bunny. It's Lola Bunny. Yeah, yeah. Lola Bunny gives um, LeBron James an alley oop, and the alley or not an alley. It's not necessarily an alley oop. It was more of a pass, pass alley oop, whatever. She gives LeBron the ball, and basically LeBron's about to jam, and as he's so, like soaring in the in the sky, about to jam the ball, she spreads her arms out and kind of looks at the camera and winks at it, and it was a nod to the pass that Dwayne Wade gave to LeBron James, and Dwayne has his arms spread out you know from 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 side to side so i really like that callback like i'm not sure if like a lot of the casual fans are gonna get that but a lot of like the hardcore nba enthusiasts they're definitely gonna get that so i was like hey i see what you did there but then you know let's go to the characters in this movie um i saw a bunch from like my childhood before my childhood a few people who are relevant in, in today's industry like it was crazy like I saw the Iron Giants. I saw the Flintstones. I saw Yogi Bear. Basically, 
everybody who was on the Hanna-Barbera roster. I saw the one of the dragons from Game of Thrones. I saw Pennywise. Like, what? How's Pennywise in this? How is he in this? I saw him. There was a reference to uh, DC, but I didn't see any any DC superheroes in there. But I'll be curious if, if there is going to be any in there. Um, man, there were so many people in, in in cartoon characters and icons that like I remember like watching as a kid. So already automatically the nostalgia factor is there. I mean, well, the whole movie is going to be based around nostalgia because it's based around an original movie from back in the mid nineties. But man, they're they're really up in the ante. They're not just doing like a carbon copy and paste, like you know Disney does with their live action films of like The Lion King and all that stuff. But like, yeah, they want to bring some of the original essence from the previous film into this one. But they want to jazz it up and spice it up and make it more palatable for twenty twenty one audience. I mean, shoot, like the the graphics on bu- on bugs and like every- it's so like it's almost like photorealistic like it reminds me of the newer sonic the hedgehog film that that came out like you can actually see like the fur and all that stuff so i thought that was really cool um but yeah like i want to see more of this i want to see more of this i'm definitely seeing this i mean july 16th it's going to come out on home release and in theaters most likely going to see it at home because again covid but i'll say this though if there was no covid happening and what have you and it was like 100 percent safe to go to movie theaters, or even if I had the vaccine, this movie would be perfect for 3D. Oh my gosh, like the way everything was popping out from the screen, it it seemed like, this movie was tailor-made for 3D. And not only that, but like I feel like when it comes to the audience of this film, I don't think it's one of those overbearing kids films that like you gotta drag your parents to see like it's not gonna be like a spongebob or like mighty Morphin power rangers from like 1995 like oh man i i watched that movie as an adult a few years ago and i was like why the hell did i think this is amazing you know what i mean but i think this is a this is the type of like family movie that like literally the entire family can enjoy and even if you're not trying to watch this with your entire family if you just want to watch this by yourself or you're an adult and you want to watch this with some of your friends that you um grew up with like watching the original space jam and what have you it's it looks like a good watch and like i feel like you don't really have to be into the nba like that into basketball like that to enjoy this movie i think it's just i think it's just going to be fun for the casual viewer to just dumb out on watching some of their favorite cartoon characters from the past and we're just using lebron james as like the vehicle to tell the story essentially and whether you're a basketball fan or not you know who lebron james is he's like one of the biggest names in pop culture today right like you mean you may not know who he is specifically and what he does but you've at least heard the name and i'll say something as well that may come across as controversial but i think when it's all said and done, and I'm only judging from the trailer, I think LeBron James is going to be better in his role as the protagonist than Michael Jordan. And I feel like LeBron James has just that natural charisma and just has the personality for being on camera. I think that just comes naturally to him. I think with Michael, I think he kind of had to grow into that. And you see that with all the commercials that he did with Spike and... His music video appearance with Michael Jackson in the jam music video. I mean, LeBron James is tailor-made for this type of stuff. I just remember um, watching him 
in different in in different forms of media. So like, I think the first time I really got a knack for his personality was his early commercials, um, whether it was with Nike or whomever. Um, he just like showed off his personality, like Sprite commercials and all that stuff. Uh, I remember that one commercial where. Uh, he was dreaming that he signed the contract with the Cleveland Browns, and like you got to see the spunk in that commercial. Even the commercial with with Bernie Mac, rest in peace, um, where he, he came into the church and Bernie was preaching him as King James, and he came in, the, the choir started jumping around and singing or whatever. He passed the ball to Bernie. Bernie caught the Holy Ghost and all that. That was cool. Um, the commercial, the Nike commercial, where it was the LeBron family. It was like LeBron Senior and Father LeBron and LeBron Junior. And he's like, "Ready or not, here I come, cannonball!" Oh, he don't want to get his hair wet. He too pretty. Like it was cool. Like it was like a, it was like a mini version of the Nike Professor. So like he definitely has a personality for it. Um, so many other different things you've seen him in. Uh, the the movie Trainwreck with um, John Cena and. Amy, Amy, uh, what's it? Amy Schufer? Is that her name? Amy Schufer? Man, he's good. He's good at what he does. Like, and I want to see a bit more of it. And like him in Space Jam, it makes sense because no one in the NBA since My- Michael Jordan has been more iconic, in my opinion, than than LeBron James across all mediums. You know, whether it's sports, whether it's television, film. Um, broadcast media with the uninterrupted series. He doesn't all like he is all he is a brand. He's a mogul. So I respect him for for enterprising on that on that level. If I'm completely honest, and I can't wait to see more. Yeah, I definitely can't wait to see more. I cannot wait to see more because this movie looks good. It's, it's coming out July 16th. I'm gonna have some fun with it. There's definitely a lot of films coming out before then that are, that are gonna hold me over. Um, my, my, my beloved Mortal Kombat is coming out on April 23rd. It was supposed to be April 16th, but it's coming out April 23rd. Speaking of which, you know what? I'd be curious to see if there are going to be any Mortal Kombat characters that pop up in this movie. Because they are a Warner Brothers property as well. So why not? Like, you're already going all out. So you may as well include a character or two if that's the case. But anyways, overall, I thought the trailer was dope. I'm excited for it. And I'm here for it. But what do you guys think? Curious to know your thoughts. Hit me up as always on all socials. And let me know what you thought of the trailer. And how you think the movie is going to fare out as well. Because me personally. I am all sorts of here for this. Absolutely. 100%. Let's get into the mic check topic of the week now. Alright. It's time to get into that. And that topic is going to be Little Nas X. So. Lil Nas X has been creating a bit of controversy over this week because of two things. One, because of the release of his music video entitled Montero, also known as Call Me By Your Name. And then also because of his Satan sneakers. Okay, so let's get into the music video first. So the music video, once again, named Montero. Um, also is the is his first name. Did not know that until today, to be honest. Um, basically, it's a very uh, it's a very interesting video to say the least. It's a video of him, uh, and it starts off with him uh, in the Garden of Eden. So they basically play on the whole image of Adam and Eve, and he's basically tempted to bite into the apple. The snake appears, 
And then he appears to be uh, seduced by the snake, literally. And then it goes into another scene where he is being uh, judged by his peers, essentially. So everyone that is judging him and that's putting him on trial and condemning him, they all look like him. Like, they're all little Nas X, basically. And then he gets judged and sentenced, and then it looks like he's rising up into heaven. But then we see a strip pool form. And then he grabs hold of that strip pole, and then he's sliding down that strip pole all the way down to hell. I can't make this up, ladies and gentlemen. And the way he was going down, it looked like he was auditioning for Magic City. Like, he had some moves, man. (laughs) And so, after that, he goes into hell, and he has a little, (coughs) he has a little, he has a little confrontation with Satan. And that he begins to gyrate all over Satan, giving him a lap dance, backing that ass up, juvenile style from the 9-9 to the 2000. And um, funny enough, Satan does not look impressed. Like, I feel like Satan has seen better. And he's just like, yeah, it's all right. I mean, you could have stayed in heaven for this shit. Whatever. And so after he's done giving him the lap dance, um, he he creeps up behind Satan and then cracks his neck, steals his... um, crown of horns so to speak puts it on him and becomes the new devil so that's basically the music video in a nutshell if you haven't seen it go see it if not i just gave you the the rundown of it there you got it and yeah uh so going back now to you know the outrage that ensued a lot of people were upset for a multitude of reasons so let's be honest when it comes to the hip-hop community uh, the hip-hop community over the years, over the, the, the decades, has not really been accepting of homosexuality, um, especially from a male standpoint. Female standpoint, I feel like m- more or less it gets a pass, but depending on how it's depicted. Like, if it's, like, something that's very sexy and alluring and that'll please, like, the uh, the heterosexual eye... Uh, for men, then yeah, it gets a pass. But it's not seen as something that's revolutionary. Like, there's a few people within hip-hop who identify as as uh, as LGBTQ uh, within the female sect. So, like, Queen Latifah, for example. And I think she's one of the few people who's gotten a pass because of the fact that her peers, especially her male peers, respect her so much because of what she's done for the culture. So... No one's ever really called her out for that. It's just one of those things where we're like, okay, cool, she's gay. All right, whatever. She's one of the homies. Like that's pretty much how it's seen. How it's seen. But a male gay, a gay male, a black male gay rapper is something that we haven't really seen in the mainstream. I don't know about the underground. I don't know if there's any if there's anyone that is really towing that line. But we definitely have not seen that in the mainstream. Um, not not a whole lot. It's only recently where we've now seen that, not only with Lil Nas X, but we're also we've also seen that with um, with Tyler the Creator, and he 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 came out saying that he was gay a few years ago, but me personally, I didn't really believe it because he's known as that guy who always likes to troll and just does things for attention. I'm like, oh, he's gay. Okay, cool, whatever. But then, you know, it really stood out to me on the Eeyore album. I'm like, oh, okay, he's really about that life. I'm like, all right, dope, whatever. But um, going back to this video, or the outrage of the video, yeah, you're, you're, a lot of 
a lot of people within the hip hop community are kind of like outraged by this, even though hip hop has always been a very in your face rebel to America type of art genre where we don't really care what you think we're going to do it anyway type of mentality. Like whether it was public enemy with their, with their, you know, uh, radical black political statements, or if it was like NWA calling out, fuck the police or straight out of the Compton or a hundred miles of running, you're going to have a lot of acts over the years conduct themselves in rebellious behavior. And we, as the consumers and the public have always admired that and we've always reveled in that and the the artists themselves as well have reveled in that as well but then here you have a rapper who is gay gay male black rapper and he's putting this this type of imagery out in his music and now everybody wants to complain all right i find that there's a lot of hypocrisy in that so you definitely have that side of the spectrum when it comes to hip-hop and then when it comes to the other side of the spectrum as far as people who are outraged it's conservative christians Conservative conservative Christians are seemingly conservative Christians are seemingly more outraged because of the satanic nature of the video, more so than his homosexuality. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they're outraged at that as well, but I think the outrage of the satanic imagery supersedes their outrage of the homosexuality, in my personal opinion, um, because Christianity has always been you know, negative towards, you know, Satanist imagery. And I get it. It makes sense. But also to the homosexual, uh, to the homosexual crowd as well. And I've always noticed this, always noticed this. And, you know, it's funny when it comes to the, um, the conservative Christians, they tend to be very hypocritical. I'm not going to categorize all Christians in this box, but just the extreme, conservative ones in particular because they are always the first ones to contradict themselves and they do it heavily on a regular and consistent basis so let's talk about all the time well not all the times but let's just generally talk about the times that they that they contradict themselves so the pastors for example who are like millionaires who do their sermons in these mega churches and they tell the congregation to quote-unquote donate a large sum of money so that it can go into their pockets so that they can buy, you know, the luxury vehicles and the private jets. Matter of fact, it wasn't so long ago. I think it was about six years ago where a preacher by the name of Creflo Dollar. Yes, that is his name. Um, told his whole uh, parish to donate a minimum of $300 each so that he could buy a plane so that he could fly around the world to spread the Lord's name. Now, obviously, we don't have the benefit of video camera right now, but I am doing that in air quotations. But nonetheless, he told them to donate this amount of money so that he can buy a plane to fly around the world to spread the word of the gospel. But really, all he did was use that money to buy a private jet. So you're extorting your parishioners in the eyes of the Lord, yet you tell people that it's sinful to steal from others. And here you are stealing from people who rely upon your word. Okay. But we're not going to judge that though, right? We're not going to judge that. Okay. So let's, let's up the ante. Let's just jump into the extreme real quick. How about the Catholic priests who fondled little boys? Who fondled the, the altar boys, huh? 
Like, are we going to forget about the Sandusky case or any other case that, re- that remotely resembles that where you have a priest who is at least 50 years old? I mean, it doesn't even matter at this point how old they are because they're they're fully grown adult men. And they're out here fondling 14 year old boys who have never, never even been in a sexual relationship before. They probably haven't even cracked puberty yet, but they're out here fondling them and sodomizing them as well. Let's keep that in mind. But then you'll hear some of these conservative Christians be like, oh, that's that's the Catholics, though. That's the Catholics. That's not us. Listen, get the fuck out of here, all right? Listen, I was born Catholic, all right? Born Catholic. And we're all taught, you know, within Catholicism or within any other sect of Christianity that all paths of Christianity and of religion, technically, all lead to God. But specifically with Christianity, that they they are all interconnected with one other. So so essentially, you have to accept one another as they are. So don't be coming out here talking about, oh, that's just them. We don't do that. No, no, no. Keep that same energy. Please keep that same energy. That's your mans. When somebody say when somebody says whose mans is this, claim them, claim them. Go get your mans. Tell him to take his little wee-wee out of little Timmy O'Toole's butthole. It shouldn't even be there in the first place. You should be out here being a a guidance, a guidance figure of sorts for people who are in need. Me, personally, I'm not big on having figureheads for religion because people put them way too high on the pedestal and think that their word is law because they feel as though they're communicating. They're, They're a vessel. They're being used as a vessel that's communicating the word of God through God. And I'm not with that. But nonetheless, if that's the role that you're playing as the as the figurehead, so to speak, then make sure you're giving sound advice instead of taking advantage of people like that. But again, we're out here mad that that little Nas X was busting it open for the devil. Yet. People are doing the devil's work in real life, in real life. But we're out here condemning. But we're out here condemning Little Nas X for imagery. Imagery. He's not hurting anybody. He's not hurting anybody at all. So me personally, it's not my taste, but I'm not up in arms about it either. So if he wants to go and do that, then let him go do that. All right. So that's just another example. And then one more example that I want to bring out is the fact that Christianity has been used to wage so many wars throughout the centuries. And I'm not talking about just regular everyday Christians or what have you. I'm talking about just the extreme conservative ones who have forced their views onto other people and have done so for the sake of conquest. Look no further than the transatlantic slave trade that started in 1619 that brought Africans over into North and South America. They forced Christianity onto those Africans because they thought their pagan rituals were inferior, demonic and satanic. They thought that the fact that they were speaking a language that wasn't English was demonic and satanic. They justified beating them and whipping them and putting them into shape, so to speak, as a way of beating the devil out of them. And to say that this is what the Lord intended and what he wanted for all of his children, for us to exercise the the, the demons out of these inferior people. That's what Christianity did. But boy, oh boy, are we quick to forget that. But we're out here judging little Nas X for busting it open on the devil's lap. 
But here we are forgetting that Christianity as like, over extreme Christianity, I should say, has been responsible, has been responsible for so many negative world events. The KKK justifies their actions through the word of the Lord. They take a, a cross, a crucifix, a giant sized crucifix, put it on the lawns of African-Americans and burn it on fire. And they call that the Lord's work. They are literal domestic terrorists, domestic terrorists. Yet there's no constant bashing or cancellation of this terrorist organization. But people are out here trying to cancel and condemn and refute Little Nas X for his creative interpretation of how he feels when people are denigrating him. He's basically saying in that video, listen, like y'all call me the devil. Y'all, <clears throat> y'all want to judge me for the living the life I live. So if that's the case, then let me accept my role as a devil. That was basically him saying that. And you're proving his point by, by, by judging him for it. So again, this video is not my cup of tea. The imagery is not my cup of tea. But if that's what he wants to do, let him do it. Let him do it. I don't care. It's a hypocrisy that I hate. And one thing about me is that I hate habitual hypocrisy. So when I see it, I call it for what it is. And the overly, the overly conservative Christians are doing just that, hypocrisy. They always have and they always will. And this is just yet another example of that. Now, what's funny to me is that everyone and their, and their mama is talking about how obscene this video is and, you know, he was supposed to be a role model for the kids. And, you know, when he was doing Old Town Road, um, it, it was supposed to be for the kids. And he's turning his back on the kids. Listen, this is yet another example of parents letting the world of entertainment raise their children. As a, as a parent, you should be able to decide what is suitable and what is not suitable for your kids. And now that we're in the era where we have YouTube and all these streaming platforms, when there is a video on YouTube that has very obscene content, it gives you the option to play the video or to not play the video, depending on what your age, what your age is. And if you're a parent and you know your kid is on YouTube on a regular basis, use your parental settings. If you don't know how to use them, watch a YouTube tutorial video on how to set them. It's there, ladies and gentlemen. There is a tutorial for everything. I learned how to tie a tie through YouTube. So if I can do that through YouTube, you can do anything through YouTube. Don't be lazy. But again, it's easy to blame someone like a little Nas X for, for poisoning your children and all that stuff. But again, it's a scapegoat thing. Because throughout history, um, especially when it comes to music, we have seen so many acts within music over the decades, regardless of the genre, be a negative influence towards the kids. Elvis was a negative influence towards the kids because of the way he gyrated his hips and how he had these little 15 year old girls, you know, like creaming their pants whenever they saw him. Oh, my God, Elvis. Ah. There was them. There's the Beatles. They got they got they got the people going crazy. You had I mean, like kiss kiss like heavy metal. The entire genre of heavy metal was known as like Satan worshiping music. Like we have kiss and like apparently 
Kiss, and please, all the Rockheads who are listening, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but apparently the, the long-running rumor of the abbreviation of their group name was Knights in Satan's Service or something like that. So, again, they 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 were being judged for, for their content and what have you. Um, Motley Crue. Again, uh, Ozzy Osbourne biting off the head off a bat and all that stuff, right? That shit crazy. Um, and then you go into the 80s. I mean, you see, like, all these artists who were wearing, like, scanty clad clothing, like, the male artists especially. Like, people thought Prince was a symbol of the, of the devil. You know what I mean? Prince of all people, really. And then, of course, you go into hip-hop where, where it's become the latest in-your-face thing. N.W.A., Public Enemy, and all these people. Nas was very controversial with some of the lyrics that he had uh, when he was on his come-up, like, before he dropped his first album. Like, this guy said, when I was 12, I went to hell for stuffing Jesus. Or he said something like, I'm harder than a, than a prostitute with gonorrhea. Uh, he said some obscene shit, you know what I mean? Uh, like, I could go down the list. I mean, even Madonna. You look at Madonna. Madonna was one of the most controversial pop stars we've ever had. This woman, I don't know if this was live on television, televised, but this woman went on concert, was in concert on stage full of thousands of people got the crucifix and used the crucifix to rub her the JJ on live stage. So why are we acting like we've never seen this type of behavior before? Like Kurt Cobain, Marilyn Manson. Like, do people remember the 90s? Like the 90s was a very edgy time in all of pop culture and it permeated everywhere, except for children's television, of course. But beyond that, like, for the 18 plus crowd it was everywhere sex alcohol and drugs you name it what are we talking about people like the oj trial was televised like no other no other court trial in history was televised before that because of how sensational it was kurt cobain what nirvana was like had people's had had people in in in, in a frenzy tupac when he joined death row was turning heads are you serious, ladies and gentlemen? Are we going to act like we've never seen this before? Hell, even the WWE had its own attitude era. And Eminem closed out the 90s in perfect fashion by being the troll for, for all this anarchy. And he was just stirring the pot, making fun of pop stars, uh, dressing up as, was it Jason, the guy with the chainsaw and the hockey mask? I don't know that, that dude's name, but whatever. Dressed up like him during his concerts. Um, parading around like he was the devil like come on guys what are we talking about this is truly the era where people love to complain just for the sake of complaining I've noticed that like people are quick to forget either they're quick to forget or they weren't part of, that, of those eras like listen I, I, was, I was born in the 80s but I grew up in the 90s and I saw all that shit I saw all that shit so this way, what Little Nas X did was nothing to me. At best, this was PG-13. This was PG-13. And again, we're in the era of streaming. So if I were to turn on much music, I would have no choice but to see Marilyn Manson wearing like a skin-tight nude suit doing some weird shit. I had no choice but to see that. It's either I watch that or I change the channel. Because back in those days when you're watching your music video countdown shows, you would have to wait to see if your video made the countdown or not. We are in the age of streaming. There are no countdown shows anymore. You watch the video whenever you want to watch it. 
So if that's the case, then why are parents so mad at the fact that their kids are viewing this? Turn on your, your parental notifications if that's the case. I mean, we're not that far removed from people complaining about WAP, you know, wet-ass pussy. Have you never seen BET Uncut before? Have you never seen Tip Joe from Nelly? Like, what I saw in that video was nothing new. I mean, even with the brand that Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion promotes, why that video of all videos to be like, oh my God! Have you not seen that type of behavior in past videos before? I mean, I've never seen the video for Hot Girl Summer from Meg, but I'm assuming there was a lot of that. I don't know, man. This is the, this is the era that loves to complain just so they can hear their own voices. I'm, I'm convinced of that. And, you know, kind of going back to um, Little Nas X before I close things off. <clears throat> when it came to Old Town Road, we saw the video for what it was. But when it came to the actual song, and, and Little Nas X said this himself, that song was about drinking lean and having sexual hookers. That's what that song was about. I never knew that until recently. But hey, your kids listen to that. They were rocking out to the song even before the video came out. The video made the message kid-friendly. But again, this is not the first time where we've seen a music video kind of clean up, you know, what the intended message of the song was about. I mean, it's... I'm trying to figure out whether or not people were freaking out when Miley Cyrus was, was going through her whole face, um, you know, from 2013 to 2016. I can't like I do remember people were speaking out, but I can't remember if the kids were like, oh, my God, what happened to Hannah Montana? I would hope that they did, because I just want to see their reactions just just to see the reactions. Forget the morality. Shit. I just want to see the reactions. But again, just to kind of close this topic off, this is nothing new. Music artists have used shock value to promote their songs for decades now. Decades. This is nothing new. Whether it's through their lyrical content, or it's through their music videos, or it's a combination of both, this is the status quo. This is no different. So why are we acting like it is? The point is I'm trying to make, ladies and gents, don't complain about anything that doesn't deserve that kind of attention. We should be complaining about systemic racism. We should be complaining about the fact that people are still worshiping and idolizing the royal family of Britain. We should be complaining about the fact that, you know, at least within Canada, for all my Canadians and for all my, my people in Ontario, that Doug Ford has shut down the entire province yet again. We should, complain, we should be complaining and protesting about things that matter, like Asian hate, Black Lives Matter, um, as far or sorry, anti-black racism specifically, I should say. We should be complaining and protesting and vocalizing our thoughts, views, and opinions on something that really matters. Not a little Nas X video. And before I wrap this up, I just remembered um, the shoes, the shoes. I got I got caught up. So the shoes. So to promote this video. He put out a pair of Nike sneakers. Mind you, Nike had nothing to do with this. It was just a pair of Air Maxes, it looked like. And he got he uh, collaborated with a 
with a uh, a sneaker company, like a basically a company that does like modifications and like their their own silhouettes on sneakers, and they personalize it, they customize it. Basically, they put a pentagram on it, they made it black and red, and they sold the 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 sneaker with the basis that there was human blood within the air bubble, which is all bullshit. But again, conservative Christians, they they ate it up like, oh my god, blood, yeah, yeah. and so they did all that, and the shoe sold within a minute. And they only put out, get this, they only put out 666 pairs of the sneaker to double down. I mean, this guy's a professional troll. If you guys don't already get it, you're playing into his game. So when that happened, Nike sued the, uh, the, the company that were customizing the sneakers because of the fact that people were complaining to Nike that, hey, you guys are making devil sneakers. Stop it. Um, and Nike's like, okay, yeah, like, guys, y'all got to chill. Because mind you, like companies won't sue people for for reselling or for making customizations or anything like that. But in this circumstance, they're like, guys, stop it. Like you're, you're hurting us right now. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I'm good with it. Like, is it a video that I would watch again in the future? No, but at the same time, I don't really watch a whole lot of music videos more than once nowadays. Just because I feel most music videos lack replay value more than ever but there there have been the rare exceptions here and there over the years over the last recent years but nonetheless it's not really my thing um but yeah this is yet another artist within the pop culture lexicon who is selling his music based off of shock value and we should not ironically enough be shocked by that so all the fake outrage going out there please stop like it's just stop because all you're doing is yelling to be heard And that's what it comes down to. But what do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Feel free to let me know. Hit me up on any social media platform and share your thoughts with me because I'd be curious to know what your take on the matter is. Okay, so let's get into Trip Talk now. So you guys already know what Trip Talk is. Three of the hottest topics that took place within hip-hop and pop culture. We're going to all dissect them, break them down, and we're going to do that right now. So the first topic I have is Rapper Quavo from the Migos and rapper slash pop singer Sawiti. Is it is it Sawiti or Sweetie? I don't know. I can never know. Anyways, they together got into some into some uh, controversy um, due to the fact that they were caught assaulting one another in an elevator. Now the footage was caught by elevator surveillance footage, and the video was released by TMZ. Um, now, for those who don't know, Quavo and Sweetie were in a relationship together. They have since broken up. It's been a few, I don't know how long it's been since they've broken up, to be honest. Maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months at most. I'm not really sure. Uh, but what we do know is that the video that surfaced recently apparently was recorded a few months back. So this isn't anything recent. This is a very old recording. And this likely happened before their breakup. This may have led to the breakup. We don't know. But essentially what happens is what we see on camera is that we see the elevator door open and we see Sweetie uh, basically punch or try and throw a punch at Quavo right now. And after that, what initially happened is uh, once she threw the punch, she tried to grab something from Quavo and it was like a box. It was an orange box and it was... uh, it was something that was related to Call of Duty. So I don't know if it was like a gaming pack or whatever the case may be, but she tried to grab it from him. And then once she tried to grab it from him, 
he then in turn tried to grab the box from her. And when they were tussling, his momentum kind of made her swing uh, to the back of the elevator. And she bumped herself to the back of the elevator and then stayed on the ground for, I don't know, maybe like 30 seconds or for the duration for the rest of the video, essentially, until she decided to get back up. And it's interesting that Quavo noticed the the video camera up top. So it was almost like he didn't know what to do at that moment. Um, and it, it kind of looks like he tried to kind of play it cool in a sense. So afterwards, the elevator door opens. I see a person outside the elevator. They weren't really doing much. They're kind of standing. I don't know if he was if he was communicating with Quavo. Couldn't really tell what was happening. But after that. Quavo leaves the elevator, and then he's waiting for Sweetie, and then she slowly gets up, appears to be limping, and then proceeds to leave the elevator as well. My initial thoughts and reactions to what I saw in that video. I saw two people being toxic towards one another. Straight up. I'm not going to say who was right and who was wrong, because at the end of the day, nobody was right in the situation. Because if you're in a couple, I don't care if it's a heterosexual couple or a same-sex couple, you shouldn't be violently putting your hands on your partner. Simple as that. Simple as that. Um, I don't know why Sweetie thought it was necessary to swing a punch at, at Quavo. That wasn't cool. Um, and then with Quavo, you know, to, for him to kind of get physical in retaliation, that wasn't cool either. I get it. You know, you're trying to defend yourself or what have you. But to be in that predicament, you know, to be with somebody who's going to incite that type of nature out of you, it's not really the best look. Because at the end of the day, you know, nine times out of ten, people are going to point to you as the man, as the aggressor in that situation, even if there is video footage that points out otherwise. And we've seen that because of the fact that, you know, since this video has surfaced, there have been a lot of people uh, who have said that, you know, Quavo was in the wrong and what have you. And... Again, I'm not here to point out, you know, specifically who was in the wrong, because my personal opinion, based on what I saw in the video, both people were wrong. You know what I mean? And like that is like textbook example of a toxic relationship. It reminded me of when I was watching that movie, Malcolm and Marie, uh, back in February and just like watching almost two hours of people arguing over each other, all, all the most random and, and petty shit, saying the most petty shit to one another. And th this gave me flashbacks of that. And. You know, at the end of the day, when it comes to a physical altercation, people have to understand that with every action, there's a reaction. So if you're going to swing at somebody, then you have to be prepared for the fact that that person is probably going to do the exact same thing to you. So that's why I'm not taking any sides in this particular, you know, situation. I know everybody wants to say, no, it's his fault. You should be, men can't hit women. Like, listen. You shouldn't be hitting anyone, period. Like, no one. I don't care what your gender is. You shouldn't be hitting anybody. Like, you're an adult. Use your words. Figure the shit out. <laughs> you know? Like, it shouldn't be that serious, especially if it's over a video game box or whatever the case may be. Now, if I am to speculate, I'm assuming that this goes far beyond the video game. I think this goes way beyond that. I think that may have been a tipping point. That may have been the turning point, in fact, for the end of their tumultuous relationship, so to speak. Um, but nonetheless, I'm not going to give any, any sympathy towards Sweetie, and I'm not going to really give any sympathy towards Quavo. I'm not giving any sympathy towards Sweetie because even though I don't know this woman, I know that there are plenty of women out there who 
always use to their advantage the whole men can't hit women thing. And because of that, they will always entice their male partner to try and hit them, whether it's through disrespectful words or if they actually physically touch them. So if they kind of mush them in their head or if they slap them across the face or punch them or or physically push them, whatever the case may be, even if they are. Um, inferior to them in terms of physical strength. They will try and do that because they know that all it takes is one punch and then everybody is on that woman's side. And some women out there, again, not all women, but some women will take advantage of that. So when I see Quavo fighting back or retaliating or whatever the case may be towards her, I don't feel bad for her in that, in that regard. Now, when it comes to Quavo, I don't feel bad for him either because I wouldn't be surprised if he's into that quote-unquote bad bitch behavior. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he's into the girl who, into the type of woman who has that rebellious, roughneck nature to her. The one that will pop off on anybody without any type of rationale whatsoever. That doesn't surprise me. And you know what? He may talk about stuff like that within his music. I'm not really sure. I don't really listen to Migos. But I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case neither. And you don't want to be with anyone, especially in a, especially a man in a heterosexual relationship. You don't want to be with any you don't want to be with any woman who's going to entice that type of behavior because it puts you in an awkward position. Because on the outside looking in, people are going to automatically point at you and say, "Oh, you're the aggressor. You're the accuser. You're the one who's guilty." Because we live in a society full of double standards, where if a guy gets hit by a woman, we laugh at the guy. If a guy gets hit by a girl, we 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 protest. You know, against against a man, right? So you have to, and I'm not talk, I'm not gonna say whether that's right or wrong or whatever, but that's the reality of the situation. Like we live in a society full of double standards. Some double standards benefit women, some benefit men, and in that situation, it's gonna benefit the woman. So you don't want to be caught up with a woman like that if that's the case. But overall, I say they both lose because these are the type of ideals that they want from one another. And I feel like when it comes to black relationships, I'm not even going to put the blame on hip hop, but I feel like in black relationships, I feel like this has been normalized where it's, where, where it's okay to strike your, your partner. And at the end of the day, we, we just chalk it up to, Oh, well, that's just how we do in the black community. That's black love. That's what love is. Love is pain. Pain is love. Love sometimes hurts, but it's okay. In what universe is that fucking okay? That's not okay at all, not even in the slightest. So yeah, miss me with all that bullshit. I'm not okay with that. If anyhow I was dating a woman and she tried to swing at me, or she said something that was supremely disrespectful that just went below the line over everything, oh, I'm calling it quits immediately. I'm like, nope, I am not entertaining this. Even I, I will sniff that out even before a relationship even begins. If I sniff that out more than once, as I'm continuously talking to the person to try and get to know her, nope, nope, not here for it, not here for it at all. I will not entertain that shit even for a minute, because I'm going to put myself in jeopardy if that's the case. Yeah, I'm not trying to do that. So, I'm glad that they're broken up, and but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they got back together, because toxic relationships tend to bring people together again, as sad as that sounds especially within the black community and especially within the within the hip hop space as well. So if you see a news report saying that these people are now back together again and they've worked everything out and and this whole ordeal has made their relationship stronger than ever, don't be surprised. Do not be surprised at all. Not even the slightest. But what do you guys think? Should they get back together? Is this a mistake? 
um, hit me up on social media, GM underscore cool or cool radio CC, uh, and let me know what your thoughts are on the matter. All right. So let's get into our next topic now. Um, this next topic comes by way of Joe Budden. It's funny. I've never I don't think I've mentioned his podcast on this show before. At least not as a full topic, but anyways, I digress. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about that actually. So he's been uh, receiving, you know, some criticism over the last week or so because of how he's treated his co-host Rory ML of the Joe Budden podcast. So basically, how it went down was this: um, over the last couple of weeks or a couple of episodes, rather. Um, Mal, sorry, not Mal, Rory in particular has shown some combative and almost passive aggressive behavior towards Joe. And me personally, I noticed this one time when I was listening to a particular episode and he was mentioning how he was on another podcast called See, Here's the Thing. And that podcast is also part of the Joe Budden Podcast Network. So he was talking about how he was on the show and how he was treated uh, with a lot more hospitality uh, than he would be on the Joe Budden Podcast. And he was saying how there was like catered food and they made sure that he was well accommodated. Um, Meanwhile, on the Joe Budden Podcast, he was talking about how all he gets is a bag of Cheetos. So I thought that was a little tongue-in-cheek. And then I was also listening within that same episode or probably a different episode but within that week and uh, they were going in on the whole Meghan Markle royal family situation and Rory was hot that day and mind you I've never I can't remember the last time I've seen Rory get riled up like that usually Joe Budden is the firecracker of the group and Rory is the one who brings in the analytical approach to whatever conversations they're having but he was hot. He was like, yo, fuck that family. They're pieces of shit. Da-da-da-da. He was going, oh, he, I was like, damn, damn, Rory, you're, you're in rare form right now. Now, mind you, that could be because of the fact of his Irish roots and how the Irish were treated by the British and all that stuff. It could be that. But I think there was a little bit more. I think he just had a lot of pent up aggression um, that he wanted to put out and him talking about the royal family and all that stuff. I think that was probably the best way to do it in that moment. But nonetheless, it was definitely an eye opener. So I was like, huh, okay, something's not right here. And then I saw all these posts about uh, just on YouTube, for example, about, oh, um, you know, Roy is off the show. Mal is off the show as well. And then so Joe on the next episode addresses that. He basically addresses that, you know, when you're going through some issues with family, you gotta gotta give everybody their space and all that stuff. He's he was kind of dancing around the topic, and I found that very ironic because of the fact that he often brags about not not holding back and how he he's a straight shooter. He goes he gets straight to the point, but he was being very diplomatic, as my dad would tell me <laughs> about the situation, not really speaking on it and just using certain words to kind of vaguely describe what's happening. So I found that very interesting. The reason why I find all this very intriguing is because of the fact that this isn't the first time that Joe Budden has gotten into it with his co-host uh, for, for different podcasts or broadcasting ventures that he's been a part of. Like, this has been Joe's MO for quite a while now. 
And it's a shame that it's now permeating through this show because this is the best iteration of his brand as, as far as being a personality that we've seen. And he's gained a lot of popularity. He's gained a lot of fans. I listen to it from time to time. That whole episode is because they're they're pretty long. Uh, but I listen to it from time to time. Sometimes I agree with Joe on certain things. Sometimes I don't. But I mostly come onto the show to listen to the um, the analytical takes from from Rory and then just from like the, the laid back casual take from Mal. And I feel like those two people really balance out his energy because there would be no way that I'd be able to listen to Joe for three hours straight. I couldn't. I couldn't. I And that's no shade at Joe. I just couldn't because like sometimes Joe is too much for me. Sometimes he really is. But to have Rory and Mal balance out that energy, I think it works to a certain degree. Now, a lot of people are speculating that Rory and Joe are butting heads because of, and mind you, that was not a pun, no pun intended, um, but they're but they're at odds with one another because of the recent deal that Joe signed with Patreon. The deal entails him being a creative director of sorts, and it basically more so benefits himself than it does Rory and Mal. And apparently there is a deal that he could have signed with Triller. Um, Triller is the company that just acquired, um, what's it called, uh, Versus. They just acquired Versus, and they're the ones who promoted the fight between uh, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. That was also the same fight that, uh, that, that Logan Paul guy fought Nate Robinson. Anyways, that's besides the point. Um, there was a reported deal on the table where Triller basically gave him a blank check and told him to name his price. And a deal like that would have been able to set up, apparently at least, would have been able to set up um, opportunities for Rory and Mal and would have set up uh, a much larger pay cut for them as well. And apparently this is the same type of deal that was given to Swiss Beats and Timbaland uh, for their for for their purchase of of uh, verses, and it benefited a lot of people who who put in work to put these verses battles together. So it could have been the same thing for the Joe Budden podcast, but apparently Joe didn't want to take the deal for whatever reason, and so he decided that he was going to sign that creative venture deal with um, uh, with Patreon. Now again, it's a big move for him, but if it doesn't benefit. Rory and Mal, then I can see why Rory has a problem with that. And it's interesting because apparently this is a deal that's very similar to the deal that Charlemagne the God signed with iHeart in order to get his Black Effect podcast network off the ground. And he criticized Charlemagne for signing that deal. So it's very ironic that the deals are structured very similarly and Joe is now signing this deal but with Patreon. So I find that very ironic in the, in that regard. Um, but going back to Joe, though, like I feel like based on what I've seen from Joe as far as his podcasting and broadcasting ventures, he seems to be very toxic towards people that are around him. So I remember when he had a female co-host for this podcast. And before it was called the Joe Budden podcast, it was called, I'll name this podcast later. So it was Rory Amell and it was also a female co-host. I can't remember her name, but she used to be on Hot 97. I remember this interview as well. This was from like, what, three years ago, maybe, if I had to guess. And 
he was on Hot 97 talking about his final album and then talking about the podcast. But then when they got into the podcast, that's when it basically turned into an intervention about how he treats people and how toxic he can be. And she confronted him live on the air about it. And he completely dismissed her. Um, basically because of the fact that he signed a deal of some sort and basically she kind of got cut out of the deal. And on top of that, she found out that she was no longer part of the show through a text message. And apparently these, these people were beyond coworkers. They were friends at one point in time. And to me, that's not how you treat your friend. You know what I mean? Especially if they're helping your, your, your platform increase exponentially. And so when she's revealing all these details, and mind you, I remember this interview watching it, um, and I watched a clip of it again just to kind of rehash my memory so that I can talk about this. But when I was watching it, he was completely dismissive about how she felt about the situation. He kept saying, oh, get over it, get over it, you're an adult, get over it. But again, I found it very ironic because of the fact that whenever Joe Budden uh, would talk about how he got screwed in his record deals and all the deals that he had in place, but that fell through, he would go on a soapbox and talk about how the industry is fickle. The industry is this, the industry is that can't trust nobody in the industry, but here you are turning into one of those people that can't be trusted in the industry because you screwed your friend over and over a text message, no less. So I was like, wow, the tables have turned and they've come full circle. So not only that, but you know, he had a bad relationship with, you know, academics and the Desca from from Complex after a while because he wanted more out of this deal. And so he decided to focus on everyday struggle full time. And he signed an exclusive deal with Spotify. Well, last year, I think, or a year ago or sorry, two years ago, maybe. And then when he wanted more from the Spotify deal and he didn't get more, he decided to no longer be exclusive with that company. And I remember Charlemagne said something about Joe Budden. And I'm not somebody who always agrees with Charlemagne, but I agreed with him on this point. And he said that Joe Budden comes across as somebody who knows his value, but doesn't know how to negotiate it. And I couldn't agree more because like every time it feels like. I feel like I feel like this is routine where like every other year or like every couple of years or so, we always hear about a deal that fell through on, on Joe Budden's part. And it's because he feels as though that he deserves to, to, to earn more than what he's getting. And I'm not going to argue against that. But if there's always a bad story that follows after each and every venture and somehow he is at the pinnacle of it, then at some point in time, you got to ask. Is it them or is it me? And I feel like Joe right now at this moment, when it comes to Rory Amal, isn't taking accountability for his wrongdoings or for whatever misunderstanding or miscommunication there's been. And he has to realize that a large part of the reason as to why the podcast is successful is because he has dynamic personalities surrounding him that give the show balance. Now, would there be people out there who are who are going to just listen to Joe Budden talk for three hours sporadically? I'm sure there will be. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Rory and Mal were to say peace that it, a significant portion of the fan base and the listenership would go with them as well. Because people really want to hear their takes on the topics at hand, because Budden really has a, a, 
knack or a tendency to kind of stray off topic, talk about something else, and then go back to the topic, which is probably the reason why his podcasts are always like three hours long. It's probably one of the reasons why I don't listen to like certain other people's podcasts as well. Um, like, uh, I don't know, there's a few out there that I'm just like, I can only listen to like a certain amount, but I can't listen to the whole thing. But regardless, I think with Joe, like he really needs to sit down with Rory and Mal and talk about what's really going on and not gaslight them. Like he can't think that they're just replaceable or whatever. And I know he's kind of taking the diplomatic route and saying, you know, we're family. We're going to work through this. Everything's going to be fine. But is everything really going to be fine? Like Rory and Mal, for all intents and purposes, have been on radio silence right now. We haven't heard anything from them since they took their sabbaticals, if you will. So is everything really going to be fine? Like in your eyes, it could be fine. But have you talked to your co-hosts about what's been going on? I don't know, man. I think Joe, I think Buddy really needs to check himself. He needs to check himself on this and he needs to hold himself accountable for any wrongdoings that he's done on his part and try to work this out with his teammates because <clears throat> right now it's not looking good. I'm not going to forecast as to whether or not they'll be back on, on the squad, but they got to work something out. They definitely got to work something out. So I'm curious to get everyone's take on this. Like, what's your take uh, on the whole Joe Budden, you know, debacle right now? Um, feel free to let me know. Hit me up on social media as always to let me know and let me know what your take is, because I think this is a very highly combustible situation that if Budden does not put a lid on it um, and fix it immediately, then Rory and Mal are as good as gone and they're going to do their own thing and they're probably going to be successful in whatever it is that they decide to do, uh, whether it's podcasting or any other venture within media. But that's just my opinion on the matter. And the final topic I want to talk about on my show today is DMX. So this report came in today, actually. This came in, um, I found I found out about this uh, in the morning time, actually, and um I was going to talk about something else on my show for Trip Talk, um, but I decided to throw this in there because I think it's important to talk about. Uh, but DMX um, was sent to a hospital, actually, because he suffered an overdose, a drug overdose. And right now, his situation is critical. It's to the point where he is currently in a vegetative state, and the doctors do not know if he's going to pull through or not. And that's very scary to hear. Um, the last time I heard about you know, any celebrity being in, in that type of state and surviving was Lamar Odom, a uh, former basketball player. So I am hoping and praying that the same can be said for DMX because DMX is a pioneer, not only within the rap game, but in the world of entertainment as well. I mean, we're talking about, what, five or six straight albums that went number one on the Billboard charts repeatedly. And he has impacted so many people uh, with his music. And when I think about DMX, I think about somebody who who is raw, who is passionate, who who wears his emotions on his sleeves, uh, not only through his music, but just in real life as well. And somebody who has been battling addictions for well over 20 years. Um, and to me, he's one of the first rappers. Actually, I, I don't know if I can say one of the first rappers, but, but he's definitely one of the few rappers who was very vocal on speaking about mental health within his music before it, it before mental health even became a, a, a hashtag or whatever. Like he was talking about it before it became cool. So when I think of rappers who talk about like mental health within their music, 
Um, I think about him. I think about Biggie Smalls. I think about Tupac. I think about Nas to a certain extent. Um, I think about Scarface. Uh, those are the, those are just some of the few that, that jump to mind immediately. But definitely DMX. Definitely DMX. Um, I mean, the song Slippin'. I mean, like that, I, I will still play that record to this day. Like that song will get me anytime I'm listening to it. In fact, I remember the last time I saw DMX perform anything uh, was when he did the versus battle with Snoop Dogg. Fun fact, that was actually the first ever time I watched a versus battle because Snoop and DMX are two of my favorite rappers of all time. So I definitely have to tune in for that. Um, but yeah, uh, it's I, I hope he pulls through because he's important to the culture and just an important human being to so many people. Right. Just take the fame away and, and the glitz and the glam and all that stuff. He's just, you know, somebody important in somebody's life. Right. Like he's touched so many lives through his music. Uh, because he's he's been so real and honest and upfront about the things that he's had to endure um, being on earth and what have you. But that kind of leads into the the discussion about drugs within hip hop. You know, um, a lot of rappers nowadays in this generation more than ever celebrate, you know, the, the, the use of drugs. And I'm not saying that that's new in terms of music because we've seen um, so many musical celebrities celebrate their 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 use of drugs it can be it can be the soft stuff like marijuana but then sometimes they'll talk about like coke and 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 crack and and, and all this stuff right like hard shit and <clears throat> in this generation we've seen so many rappers profit off of that like whether it's little xan or little peep or whomever and some of these rappers have died because of it like a little peep um like mac miller for example because of the fact that they were battling addictions um, and, you know, J. Cole talked about it a lot on his 2018 album, K.O.D., um, but this is definitely something that needs to be talked about more, and, hey, listen, if you want to, you know, indulge in your vices, that's you, that's your business, but it's also a bad thing to overindulge, because then you get caught up in the tailspin of being addicted, and then you get caught up in a situation where you get, um, you, you get strung out with an overdose, and then before you know it, you may lose your life, so, I'm hoping this is not one of those situations where we have to, you know, say those faithful words to DMX. I hope not. I'm hoping and praying that that doesn't come to pass. Um, but definitely, what like this is something that needs to be addressed within the culture, uh, especially for this generation. And drug abuse doesn't even just go to being a drug user. It also goes to being a drug dealer as well. Like, if you think about it, from the early 2000s, the majority of the 2000s, I should say, um, rappers were talking about selling that, right? And then now in this decade, where the 2010s decade, ra rather, they're talking about using it. So I, I find it interesting the the uh, the dichotomy of you know the drug selling versus the drug using, and how it's changed throughout you know the the decades and what have you. I, I find that very interesting, a little bit ironic as well um, in that regard. But nonetheless, it's something that still needs to be discussed within uh, within not just hip hop but within music altogether. Um, because again, like too much of something is never really a good thing, um, especially when it comes to indulging in your, in your vices. And this is definitely one of those scenarios. So I'm hoping you're praying that he has a speedy recovery um, so that, you know, we still have him on this planet for for an extended amount of time as well. So prayers go out to DMX and his family as far as, you know, hoping and praying for that speedy recovery. Um, and we hope to hear some good news uh, very soon. But now it's time of the show where it's 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 that time of the show 
where we got a crown a wankster. You guys already know where we're going with this. So on that note, who has been entered into the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. And this week's Wankster of the Week goes to an individual. <coughs> and this week's Wankster of the Week goes to an individual who I will not give the benefit of naming them because they are yet another perpetrator in the Asian Hate Committee. Now, what this person did was he attacked a defenseless elderly Filipino woman who was just walking down the street, minding her business, and he attacked her out of nowhere, causing several injuries to her body, including a broken pelvis. Now, the sickening thing about this is the fact that, well, not only is the fact that, you know, he basically beat her up and assaulted her, but the fact that it was done outside of a hotel and the security guards who were guarding the gates out of a hotel did absolutely nothing to stop the assault taking place. In fact, they closed the doors and went inside when the assault was happening as they already saw what was happening. Now, the thing about this person who beat up the woman, he already had charges on him from years ago. In fact, he was arrested and charged with the murder of his own mother. Of his own mother. And I think he did this as a juvenile. So because of that, he wasn't giving life imprisonment. In fact, he was given life on parole, which is still basically freedom. You just have to report into someone, basically. But yet, yeah, he, someone found it justifiable enough to let this guy roam the earth as a free man so that he can do stuff like this. Listen, guys. I talked about Asian hate um, last week, and I talked about it the week before. This is the third week in a row that we've talked that we're talking about it now. Um, and like I said in in the previous weeks, I'm not here for it. I'm not here for the Asian hate. I'm not here for the Asian discrimination. I'm not here for any discrimination at all whatsoever. So for this bastard, um, I don't know if he's been arrested. I don't know if he's at large right now, but. If he does get caught and get arrested, I hope they throw the book at him. I hope they throw the book on him based on this assault, as well as the fact that he murdered somebody uh, intentionally as a teenager in, in his past life. Give this guy life imprisonment. Throw away the key. I don't want to hear any sob story about, oh, he lived a hard life and his parents divorced when he was young. I don't want to hear that shit. I don't care. I don't even care what ethnicity this guy is. I don't care if he's black, white, whatever. I don't want to hear any sub story. You beat up an Asian woman simply off the fact that she was Asian and because of the fact that she was elderly. You're not doing that to a grown ass man. Let, let me see a guy like him put hands on a grown Asian male who's in his 20s or 30s or even 40s. Let me see that able bodied as well. Let me see that. It'll never happen because people like him are cowards. So for that, he is definitely getting the wankster of the week. And that is our show for today, ladies and gentlemen. Really want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, as always, you can stream the uh, the podcast on SoundCloud. You can now stream it on Spotify. 
Um, I believe we're on Google Podcasts as well, so stream it on there as well. Um, and yeah, we're gonna hit, we're gonna keep on hitting you up with these with uh, more and more of these topics uh, on a weekly basis. Um, I will definitely let you know when we have a guest lined up for the next week or so. Uh, I will keep you guys posted on that. But nonetheless, once again, it's your man DM Cool, and just here to let you know that Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.